From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Happy Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Happy birthday to EWTN. And uh, hi, Father Wade. Hello, Jack. And (laughs) and congratulations, Father Wade, on 29 years of first profession of vows today as well. On the feast is when you made your first profession. That is correct. It's a big day here at the Fathers of Mercy as well as at EWTN. And we always have our annual Assumption barbecue in the afternoon. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, so when, uh, 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 how many years has it been since those first uh, vows were professed? 29, in 1994. Oh, and really? So we count, we count from first vows, not, not yeah. from perpetual vows. Yeah, so uh, I thought that you had to, uh, I didn't realize that they, that they took men under the age of 15. <laughs> Well, we don't. We don't. You you do have to be eighteen to forty. I I made my <laughs> vows when I was twenty eight. Believe it or not, soon to be fifty eight later this month. What were you doing in nineteen eighty one? I'm guessing milking cows and going to FFA meetings. That's right. I, I was in high school. Let's see. I was a junior in high school. You you got you got a pretty well down path there. What you just said. <laughs> well, welcome to EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. We're talking faith, family, and fellowship. If you'd like to be part of the program, pick up the phone and give us a call, please. The number's eight. 8- 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985. And we can always, uh, we can also, um, Take your email. That email address is openline at EWTN.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Ace McKay and Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, as you have already heard, the one and only, our favorite father of mercy, don't tell Father Ken, Father Wade Menezes, how are we, you? I'm doing great, and we definitely won't tell Father Ken that. <laughs> I think he's kind of jealous that I'm going to help you and Johnette out in Melbourne here in September coming up. Okay, but he he's, had, you know he what? Had, he's just he going to have to deal with it. That's he had right. His time. <laughs> he, he's just going to have to deal with it. That's all I can say. He might. Hey, he he might show up. I've. I wouldn't hey. be. It, seriously, it would not be the first time that I have been in an event that he was not at that he showed up for. You know, if if he shows up, I'm putting him to work as a second confessor. That's all I got to go. say. I like it. <laughs> so it is the Feast of the Assumption, and I'm guessing you've probably got something to say about that. I do. You know, and I want to invite our Open Line Tuesday listeners today uh, live to call in, or if they're, they're watching live, to uh, uh, email us a, a question or to uh, type in a question there on the sidebar of the YouTube page there or even at the Facebook page. Uh, I want to know what Marian devotion is dear to your heart on this beautiful solemnity of, of the Assumption. Again, I want to know what, what Marian devotion is dear to your heart. 
Call us up and give us a witness about it. How has it affected you? How has it affected your marriage? How has it affected your family? I want to know about your Marian devotion and have you call in or type in today, this hour live on Open Line Tuesday on this great solemnity of the Assumption on this August 15th, 2023, my 29th anniversary of vows. EWTN's 42nd anniversary since the day that Mother Angelica flipped the switch, as she used to say. Uh, Call us and give us a witness. You know, Jack, the, the Blessed Virgin Mary's assumption of her body and soul into heaven makes very clear to us that there is room for our humanity in heaven. How beautiful is that? Mary's assumption assures us that what Jesus accomplished in rising from the dead and ascending into heaven was not limited to his own divine person alone. No, even though we are not divine and neither was Mary, we too are meant to be in heaven with the incarnate Son in his home with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Thus, the Blessed Mother's birth into heaven, that is, her assumption into heaven, generates in us an ever new capacity to await God's future for us, indeed what God wills for each one of us, as Pope St. John Paul II would frequently say. Uh, Just as grace does not destroy but rather perfects our human nature, so the glory of heaven will include our whole humanity, body, and soul. And Mary's assumption illustrates this par excellence. Uh, As the English priest, Father Ronald Knox, tells us, he says, quote, that transformation of our material bodies to which we look forward to one day has already been accomplished. We know this for certain in her regarding the Blessed Virgin Mary. On the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin on August 15th every year, we commemorate the moment that Mary's body and soul were assumed into heaven at the end of her earthly life. She did not rise by her own power, no, but rather through her beloved Son, who would not allow his mother's incorruptible body to see the grave. Notice that Assumption is a, is a passive verb where we're, when we talk about our Lord's ascending into heaven or his ascension into heaven is an active verb. He did it himself by his own power as God uh, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity united. But Mary's assumption, that is a passive verb. She did not do it on her own. Huh? The church teaches that Mary, having been conceived without original sin, never sinned. Rather, her body remained holy and immaculate. The very temple in which the living God was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Catholic Church proclaims the assumption, the physical elevation of Mary's sinless soul and incorrupt body into heaven, as dogma, stating that the Virgin Mary, quote, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory, end quote. That's from Pope Pius XII's uh, uh, papal encyclical, excuse me, apostolic exhortation, Munificentissimus Deus, which he proclaimed on November 1st, 1950, exactly the day that you thought it would be proclaimed on, uh, All Saints Day, right? Because Mary is the highest of the communion of saints as the mother of God. To date, this is the most recent dogmatic declaration made by a pope. That's worth mentioning as well. The assumption, uh, the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into heaven reveals that what God begins, he brings to completion. Thus, in predestining her to be the mother of the Savior, the Lord likewise prepared her through the Immaculate Conception in her mother's womb, St. Anne's womb, which preserved the Blessed Virgin from the original sin. 
that we inherit from our first parents. Grace continued to expand and flower within her, giving her strength to stand by Jesus at the cross. She was preserved from the corruption of the tomb and enjoys already a bodily participation in the glory of Christ in heaven. And from there she prays for each one of us, does she not, that grace may come to perfection in us and that we ourselves may come to share in her glory with Jesus one day in heaven. And so there you have it, the assumption, the great solemnity of the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And St. John Paul II gives us these beautiful words, Jack. He says, by the mystery of the assumption to heaven, there were definitively accomplished in Mary all the effects of the one mediation of Christ, the Redeemer of the whole world, the risen Lord himself. In Christ shall be made alive. All shall be made alive, but each one in his or her own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. That's from 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 23. In fact, that was uh, from the um, second reading today at the Mass for the Assumption for this solemnity. In the mystery of the Assumption, John Paul continues, is expressed the faith of the church, according to which Mary is united by a close and indissoluble bond to Christ. For if, as virgin and mother, she was singularly united with him in his first coming, so through her continued collaboration with him, she will also be united with him in expectation of his second coming. And assumed into heaven, she does not cease her saving service, which expresses her maternal mediation until the eternal fulfillment of all the elect. Thus, she who here on earth loyally preserved in her union with her son unto the cross continues to remain united with him while now all things are subjected to him until he subjects to the Father himself and all other things. Thus, in her assumption into heaven, Mary is, as it were, clothed by the whole reality of the communion of saints, and her very union with the Son in glory is wholly oriented toward the definitive fullness of the kingdom, when God will be all in all. So give us a call today. Uh, give a witness about your Marian devotion, uh, just in general, or maybe you have a specific Marian devotion that is very, very near and dear to your heart. Give us a call today at Open Line Tuesday, this live hour that we're broadcasting, or type in there on that sidebar of the YouTube page or there at the Facebook page, and let us know about your particular Marian devotion on this great solemnity of the Assumption. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question... Call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Great new book from EWTN's religious catalog I want to point out to you, The Sacred Quest, Renew Your Prayer Life. It's written by our friend, Father Cedric Pasenga. 
And in this book, The Sacred Quest, Father Cedric offers a variety of themes to help you renew your prayer life. You'll discover various prayer forms, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to pray in and through you, practice God's patience, develop your own little way uh, in the in the footsteps of St. Therese, surrender yourself to God, and much, much more. Like Christ's apostles, your prayer life can improve and progress, taking readers on a sacred quest to become all that God made us to be. And it's available now at EWTN's Religious Catalog. That's EWTNRC.com. They're offering free standard shipping on online orders of $75 or more. Standard shipping in the continental U.S. only. Use the code FREE at checkout. And also on this this anniversary of the founding of EWTN, all sorts of great um, Mother Angelica-related books and uh, and items uh, for you to look at there at EWTNRC.com. To the phones we go. First up is Michael in Spokane, Washington, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Michael, you are on with Father Wade. Well, thank you both, and happy Assumption of Mary Day. Um, I had a friend, Violet, who was born on August the 15th, 1910, and died mm-hmm. on Valentine's night, February 14th, uh, 1981. Uh, my favorite devotion, Marion, would be Lourdes France. Um, I, a friend paid my way a community. I couldn't afford to go there, but to be at Lourdes, France, and you don't have to be there, but to be near the grotto and uh, beautiful, uh, so uh, Michael, peace and love. Michael, if you could repeat that, I believe you said Lourdes, France. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Lourdes, France. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, my uh, a friend paid my way. I could never afford it, and a community. I was with a community at that time, and. Uh, so much uh, joy and peace, and to be at the grotto itself. Yeah. Uh, even today, when it, when I, I see the Lord's friends or hear the prayers, the novena rosaries, it, it, it helps. It helps me a lot. And sure. the Mother has been with me. Blessed Mother has been with me since day one, in spite of myself many times. So that's my favorite, me, Marion. But uh, today's reading, Father, says, And a child left in her womb. Mm-hmm. Yes, since the year 1973, there have been 63 million documented abortions in America, 63 million lives taken or killed. I also know God's mercy is love and forgiving and always forgiving no matter what the sin. And as a Catholic, I believe life begins at conception. I'm also opposed to the death penalty. My question is, why are some Catholics so passive about abortion? and do not want a kid to be involved in pro-life efforts, and a child left in her womb. Well, that's a great question. I think a lot of Catholics, uh, when it comes to defending the faith and promoting the faith, the uh, doctrines that can cause a, a, a riff with the culture today are topics they don't want to tackle. And those are the, exactly the topics that need to be tackled. You know, the, the Church's teaching regarding abortion is very, very clear. Uh, and, and we have to look no further than the Catechism, which provides a, a wonderful synthesis in, in number 2270. We read, human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. 
From the first moment of his existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. And then Jeremiah 1.5, uh, we could confer with Job 10.8-12 and Psalm 22, verses 10-11, through 11, wherein we read the following from Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, O God, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth. And so since the first century, Michael, as I'm sure you are probably aware by, by your bringing up this very, very important and timely topic today uh, in the culture in which we live. Since the first century, the church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion, meaning intentional abortion. Huh? Uh, this teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Uh, direct abortion, that is to say abortion willed either as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. Uh, we read in the Didache, a, a second century document, quote, you shall not kill the embryo by abortion and shall not cause the newborn to perish. Again, that's from the Didache, chapter 2, second century document. And then also we read in Gaudium et Spes from the Second Vatican Council, which ran from 1962 to 1965, quote, God, the Lord of life, has entrusted to all the noble mission of safeguarding life, and men must carry it out in a manner worthy of themselves. Life must be protected with the utmost care from the moment of conception. Abortion and infanticide are abominable crimes, but for the mercy of God, huh? I always like to say, Michael, I'm sure you've heard it before here on Open Line Tuesday, uh, mercy is who God is. It's love's second name, huh? God is more interested in our future than in our past. He's more interested in the kind of person we can yet become than in the kind of person maybe we used to be. Uh, while indeed taking our sins seriously, no doubt, whether mortal or venial sins, he never, ever, ever takes those sins as the last word. Why? Because he knows he's made us in his image and likeness, he knows he calls us constantly to a life of his sanctifying grace, and he knows he is our God, who is bigger than any sin we might ever commit, even the most hideous and wicked mortal sin. You know, uh, one of my confers, Father Ben Cameron, uh, founded the Confraternity of Our Lady of Mercy, uh, which is directed at post-abortion healing for both women and men. And he's also uh, very, very involved in Rachel's Vineyard Retreats. Uh, and he will tell you that some of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful conversions that he has ever witnessed as a priest, in his uh, two decades plus as a priest, um, uh, have been uh, healings and conversions that have come through those, uh, those Rachel's Vineyard uh, weekends. So there's always, always always, I can't stress it enough, always, always hope for healing, huh? And so th this is a, a, the teaching we got to get out, these, these couple of paragraphs that I just shared uh, from the Universal Catechism, which comes to us from, namely, St. John Paul II. Uh, and I said saint, now St. John Paul II, universally promulgated uh, in 1992, and I believe we got the English edition in 1993, 
Uh, so, you know, the teachings are there, and our baptism and our confirmation uh, call us to give these beautiful teachings uh, to others. And this is how we, we live our baptism, this is how we live our confirmation, and so forth. So, Michael, thank you so much for your own witness and asking the question on Open Line Tuesday on this beautiful solemnity of the, of the Assumption. I want to invite especially our Open Line Tuesday callers to call in today on the Assumption and give a witness about their particular Marian devotion. Uh, thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate very much your call from Spokane, Washington, an area where I will be uh, giving a weekend retreat at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center there. The weekend, I believe, of the 19th through the 21st of January 2024. 2024 already, Jack, soon to be here. So January 19th through the 21st, I'll be at Immaculate Heart uh, Retreat House there, owned and operated by the Diocese of Spokane. Uh, be sure to see their website uh, to find out more about that retreat that I will be preaching there that weekend. Thank you so much, Michael. We greatly appreciate it. Next stop, Middle Tennessee. Thomas is listening on uh, the iHeartRadio app. Thomas, you're on with Father Wade. Hey, Father Wade. Happy Assumption. Um to you. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for your call today. Um, I know a little bit about you guys. I was, I was fortunate to go to a confession with uh, Father Tony Stevens a few months ago, so you, you got a great group up there. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, I wanted to ask you, Father, about um, God's will and how to know if you're following it and how you um, you violated it. Um, and I kind of want to give you my specific circumstances. I uh, got married a few years ago, and we moved to a town and together with company. And in this town, there's a couple adoration chapels. I really felt like I grew there a lot. And uh, I spent actually an hour every day in there during COVID. And we ended up having one baby, and we had another one unexpectedly. We were running, so we, we couldn't afford a home after COVID. And we left a little over a year and a half ago. Now, I lost my job, but there's been this, this like, hurtment. I guess this hurting, this resent since leaving, and this, like, longing um, to be back where I was. And, and since then, like my marriage has gone down. Um, I don't feel like I'm showing the fruits of the spirit. There's been a lot of frustration and worry. And I, and, and I think about like what, uh, you know, St. Colby said, he's like, you know, our most important activity is adoration. And I just, I feel like I really violated what God wanted for me. <laughs> and so you're, t you're talking mostly about the, the job that was lost, is that what, am I understanding you correctly there? Yeah, well, I mean, I lost my job. I just, I just feel like the whole situation, I just went against God's will. Like, I feel like where he had me, he wanted me at. And, you know, we left because we couldn't find a home there. And I just, there's just been longing to go back. And, and I, I just, I miss like the intimacy I have. And I felt like I grew spiritually with him because there was an adoration chapel. And I felt like it was, I kind of went against his plan for me. And how how uh, difficult would it be to see if you could get that job back? I'm not asking for specifics, just a simple, it would be fairly easy, not fairly easy. It's already been given to somebody else. Uh, yeah. Would it be fairly easy for you to go back to your former boss and see about the possibility of getting back on? No, I mean, that's been filled. But, I mean, even now, it's just like, with, with you know, we bought a home, and with interest rates, it'd be very, very financially difficult for us to move and to mm -hmm. get a new home. So we're kind of, we feel like we're kind of stuck, but I don't, right. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm not, you know, I think the big thing is, is like, if I, if I went against what he wanted for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, if you go to fathersofmercy.com, 
you will uh, uh, get the homepage as soon as you go to the website, fathersofmercy.com, and then if you click on the magnifying glass in the upper right, a search bar comes up in the middle of the homepage. And on that search bar, just simply type uh, discern God's will or discerning God's will. And you'll find a blog that I posted here uh, about a couple years ago now. Uh, six main principles, how to discern if God is speaking to you and if you are properly discerning his will. Um, and I'll just comb through the, the, the six of them here fairly quickly, and you, can, you could read more about them and meditate on them, and, and after having done so, maybe see your regular confessor there in the Middle Tennessee area where, in, which, in which you live. But number one, and I think this is crucial, it's why I put it at number one, the idea you're having or which has been presented to you, in your case, going back to your former uh, employment, the idea you're having or which has been presented to you is in accord with sacred scripture is upheld by both sacred tradition and the magisterium of the church. In other words, there's nothing immoral about it, uh, the, the job that you previously had. I'm presuming that's the case. Um, it wasn't a qualm of conscience position, like maybe uh, a pharmacist would go through who's a practicing uh, Catholic a Christian uh, and discerning and so forth whether or not they can distribute uh, contraceptive devices. We'll come back and, and I'll give you the other five points uh, at, the, at the other side of the break. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Big shout out to two more members of the EWTN Radio family. St. Rose Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee is celebrating their seventh anniversary. It cannot, doesn't seem like it could be seven years ago that they went on the air. And then Divine Mercy Radio in Warland, Wyoming. They mark nine years with EWTN. So congratulations to Richard Richard and Billy Trout at WSRR and Father Bryce Lundgren at KXDM from all of us here at EWTN. And we're talking with Thomas in Tennessee about discerning God's will, Father Wade. Yeah, and I just went through the first of, of six principles that I've written a blog about, how to discern if God is speaking to you and if you are properly discerning as well. And Thomas, again, just to recap, the, the first one of the six, and it's crucial, is that the idea you're having or which has been presented to you, in your case, it's about maybe going back to your former place of employment. Uh, if whether or not it's in accord with sacred scripture is upheld by both sacred tradition and the magisterium of the church. In this case, I would simply ask, is it a moral position that you held earlier, not something that gave you qualms of conscience, in other words, uh, with the line of work per se that it was, like maybe a pharmacist who's a Christian might go through with distributing uh, contraceptive devices that, are, that double as abortifacients as well. Uh, that's just one example. Uh, number two is the idea comes to you while praying. That's very, very important. And I would say in your case, not only your private praying, Thomas, but also praying with your spouse, which is very, very important. And I know you said that because of the employment situation, the, the marriage is under some strain. More reason why to turn to prayer with your spouse. In fact, invite her to go back and listen to this part, portion of the podcast here at the bottom of the hour when I'm covering your question. It shows her that you, that you have a vested interest in wanting to make the marriage work, which is a beautiful thing, as the priest of the home, the Christ figure of the home, the St. Joseph figure of the home. Um, so the idea comes to you while praying, not only privately, but also with your spouse. 
and if children, while praying as a family. Thirdly, I might add that. Number three, the idea involves an element of faith, and at the same time, it strengthens your faith. That's important as well. Number four, the idea fosters your personal interior and exterior charity uh, towards your family members and others, and at the same time, it fosters a certain hope within you. It gives you hope. The idea fosters your personal interior and exterior charity, and at the same time, it fosters hope within you. Number five, the idea is often repeated within your intellect, while at the same time, it is in accord with human reason, and it brings to you a great personal peace. That's important, being in accord with the intellect uh, and, and with human reason, and it brings you peace. Number six is important as well. The idea grows stronger within you over time. It grows stronger within you over time, and this is something you would want to take to a spiritual director to confirm that point, maybe a regular confessor, if, if not a spiritual director, at least a regular confessor. So again, six principles, Thomas, of how to discern if God is speaking to you and if you are properly discerning, and if you are properly discerning his will. Again, fathersofmercy.com, click on the magnifying glass in the upper right-hand corner of the homepage. A search bar appears in the middle of the homepage, and just simply uh, type in the words discerning his will or discerning God's will, and that should come up right away. And then also, it, it came to my, my mind during the break, Thomas, that just uh, two weeks ago today, on August 1st, my springboard topic was six principles of discernment from Monsignor Charles Pope. Uh, he says we should take in these six principles when discerning a decision in our life. Number one, how is one's state of life affected by that? Number two, how are one's gifts and talents affected by that? Number three, personal desire. Number four, organic development of the discernment. It, it doesn't. It, it's not. You're not acting strictly on emotion or feelings or passions, but there's an organic development to the question that you're attempting to answer through your discernment. In other words, prudence is at play because it's it's happening over time. And, and you're thinking things out. You're just not making an overnight decision, in other words. Number five, personal serenity. It brings you the peace that I was talking about in my blog. And number six, uh, it's conformity to scripture and tradition, which was my number one. So uh, my six points and Monsignor Charles Pope's uh, really kind of coalesce well together. Um, if you simply Google his name, Monsignor Charles Pope, along with the word of the, uh, the words of the title of his article, Six Principles of Discernment, Monsignor Charles Pope, Six Principles of Discernment. Uh, you will find his article immediately at his own blog spot, um, blog.adw.org, uh, where many of Monsignor Pope's blogs are, are listed. But, but you'll find it just simply by... Uh, uh, taking that to the search bar, Monsignor Charles Pope, Six Principles of Discernment. You'll find his full article that breaks down each one of those six principles. Uh, I consider Monsignor Pope uh, one of the greatest writers right now in the, the modern day and age, this 2023 in which we live. Uh, he's a pastor on the East Coast. He blogs regularly, and he's just uh, has a brilliant mind, very, very balanced man when it comes to the faith. Uh, he writes a lot about secular topics and secular items and applies the faith to them. And so I have a great respect for his writing style and for the man himself. So hopefully, Thomas, those two uh, articles, my own blog and, and Monsignor Pope's, will help you out tremendously. And there's some crisscrosses there between the two. And so please know that uh, I'm going to add you to my prayer list uh, in regards to this position 
that you're looking about possibly wanting to go back to. And be sure to invite your bride, your spouse, to listen to this portion of the podcast, if, if not the whole show, um, sometime after it's, it's posted, within an hour usually, uh, after the live broadcast. And invite her sometime, maybe later on today or tomorrow, uh, to, to sit down with you and listen to it. And maybe the two of you could work through these principles of discernment together precisely as a, as a marital covenant, as a husband and wife, as a bride and groom, uh, work through these six principles of, of discernment together so it's not just all on you, but rather the two of you together are engaging in this type of discernment together precisely as spouses uh, within a marriage covenant. Does that kind of help you out, Thomas, those two, those two lists? It, it does. And, um, I, I say, let, let me say this. If, if you got off the path that God put one at you on, Will will he fix it and maybe get you back on the right path? God can never be outdone in his generosity. Uh, especially if he sees that we are doing our part, like in, like for example, with you, uh, living the life of a, of an active Catholic Christian in the midst of the modern world, striving to become a saint right where you are as a husband and father, as a man living in the midst of the modern world. I talked about the priest of the home, the the Christ figure of the home, the Saint Joseph of the home, regular confession, regular Eucharist, your your regular prayer life, both individually and with your spouse and and or with children as a family, if if you and your wife have children. You mentioned your wife, but you didn't necessarily mis- mention children. So, um, if you have if you have children, praying as a family as well together. God cannot be outdone in His generosity. There's, there's a great quote by Saint Augustine. He says, "The God who willed to uh, save the God who willed to create us without us does not will to save us without us." In other words, God wants us to do our part in working with Him as the primary mover in the life of grace to move ourselves towards a life of his sanctifying grace so that we can work out our salvation, Philippians 2.12. And uh, I think I quoted this last week, in, in fact. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena, one of the great female doctors of the Church, like Augustine is one of the 36 doctors, St. Catherine of Siena says something much more bluntly, the same thing, but much more bluntly. She says, the God who made you without your cooperation does not will to save you without your cooperation. Now, you're not asking specifically about salvation. You're asking about simply getting us back on the right track. Will God help guide us back to the right track? But the principle remains the same. If we're doing our part, because God's given us an intellect and a will to know him and to choose him and to incorporate him in every aspect of our life, the prayer, the work, the recreation, the friendships, the family life, etc., the marriage, in my case, in my priesthood, include him, involve him. This is why my morning offering involves all three divine persons, asking the three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to intervene daily in my life because I so much want to involve them in my prayer, my work, my recreation, my community life, my natural family life. Uh, By the way, while you're at fathersofmercy.com, look up my morning offering. It's all spelled out there, the morning offering I make every morning when I get up, involving the three divine persons, uh, thanking him for, uh, you know, the, the five senses of sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, the the ability to walk, the ability to talk, the ability to move about freely for overall general health, the ability to think rationally, uh, and, and for my intellect, will, memory, and imagination, to involve him in every aspect of my daily living. When he sees we're making that effort, he cannot be outdone, Thomas, in his generosity. He just cannot be outdone in his generosity. Um, you know, I, I like to say in my one of my talks on the Blessed Trinity, if you truly, sincerely make an effort to involve with purposeful intent 
the three divine persons in your daily life, you can accomplish more by accident, Thomas, than what you set out to do on purpose. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. If you truly, sincerely, and with whole heart and devotion, uh, and with purposeful willed intent, seek to involve the three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in your daily life, you can accomplish more by accident than what you set out to do on purpose. And I, I'm, a, I'm a living example of that. With, with my busy schedule as an itinerant missionary preacher and, and as a member of a religious community that's active contemplative uh, with a strong prayer life that we keep together here at the house when we're home and we keep it together as well on the road when traveling, uh, the daily bravery, the daily rosary and divine mercy chaplet, just to name a few of the things, let alone the half-hour meditation in the morning hours and the half-hour meditation in the evening and, and a Eucharistic holy hour if we can, but we may not be able to on a travel day. But God cannot be outdone in that generosity. So never despair. You know, we're, we're a people of hope, uh, faith, hope, and charity, the three theological virtues, and all three are important. The faith that you hold through your baptism and confirmation sustained by regular Eucharist and confession, uh, the hope you possess as a Christian, okay, and uh, the charity that you're called to have, not only for others and God, but for yourself. Never despair. How can we give love to others if we don't love ourselves? How can we give love to others if we don't love God? So these are why, th this is why these are the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. They are, they are very, very important in the life of the Christian. So uh, fear not, and Thomas, I'm going to include you tonight in my Vespers, as well as my uh, Compline prayer out of the bravery, the divine office, for your proper discernment. And, and again, please uh, strive to include your bride in that discernment process, and may those two articles help you out. Thank you so much for calling. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. And our Marian devotions are rolling in. Peggy is watching on YouTube, and she says, I have a special devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. So many, yeah. many years ago, I read the book, The Day the Sun Danced, of my three children. Both my son's birthdays are on the 13th, my first son on August 13th, and my second son on October 13th. I feel so blessed. And Carla is watching us on Facebook wow. Live. She said, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I was told that one of her kidneys was enlarged in size. I had a candle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. She interceded because the next appointment, no abnormality whatsoever. And Pieter in Poland says, talking about anniversaries, today we celebrate the 103rd anniversary of the Battle of Warsaw, the battle which stopped the Soviet Union from expanding communism into Europe. Well, on, on Our Lady's Feast Day, That's go right. figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Back to the phones we go. Anthony is in the great state of Florida listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Anthony, you are on with Father Wade. Hello, how are you doing today? Doing great, Anthony. Thanks for your call today. So, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I would say kind of new. I'm going through RCIA and everything. Um, so I'm still kind of learning. Okay. And... I see, I see a lot of people go up with the Eucharist, and they, normally they'll either just put it in their hand and stuff like that. Well, I see, I, I have, I do see some people that actually kneel when they're receiving the Eucharist, and the, the priest will put it in their mouth. What, what's, what's, what's that one? What's, okay. What's the well, significance of that? In the Latin rite of the Roman Catholic Church, there are four ways that one can properly receive Holy Communion. One can receive it standing, 
directly on the hand receive the consecrated host while standing, kneeling and receive directly on the hand, standing, receiving directly on the tongue, and kneeling, receiving directly on the tongue. So standing and kneeling and on the tongue or in the hand. Thus, four ways total to receive Holy Communion, and both are valid, and a priest or an EMC, an extraordinary minister of communion, like a layperson who's been properly deputed to do so, or a deacon or a bishop, should not refuse that for option reality to any person who comes up, okay? And so that's what you're seeing. You're seeing the four different ways that Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, and the Latin Rite of the Reformed Roman Rite from the Second Vatican Council permits recipients of Holy Communion to receive Holy Communion in one of those four ways. And why would people do it differently? It, it could be just personal piety. Uh, if there happens to be in a if there happens to be a communion rail because the 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 church is an older physical older church, just the year it was built, it's an older church, so the communion rail is still in line. Uh, you might see the priest have everybody come up to the communion rail, but still retain their four options of how they want to receive. They can kneel or remain standing at the communion rail. They can receive directly on the tongue or receive directly on the hand. From the communion rail. So then you'll have other churches that are maybe more modern built, a more modern year built, that don't have communion rails, but the person still is able to receive either of those four ways. So it's just a matter of, of how the person wants to receive, precisely because the Roman rite permits those four ways. And the Vatican has answered that one cannot be denied communion because they happen to kneel. Okay, so that's important to take into account as well. Now, if one receives standing either directly on the tongue or receives standing, receives Holy Communion standing directly on the hand, then they are to give a, a bow before approaching the person who's distributing Holy Communion. It doesn't have to be a profound bow because you might hit the person standing in line in front of you on the back with the top of your head if you do a profound bow. But you should give some type of bow with the waist, uh, health permitting, of course, and then uh, when you finally are in front of the person giving out Holy Communion or distributing Holy Communion, to use a proper phrase there, distributing Holy Communion, then you make a true Eucharistic throne. And for those watching our YouTube live feed right now or our Facebook live feed right now, as I'm Skyping the show this hour live, I'm putting one complete palm over the other complete palm. You make a true Eucharistic throne. After you come up from that slight bow, you make the true Eucharistic throne with one open palm over the other open open palm, and when the distributor says the body of Christ, you say an audible amen. You say amen. You don't whisper it. You don't mouth it. You say it audibly. Some people ask me on the road when I'm preaching my parish missions, especially after I give a Eucharistic talk or a talk on the Mass, Father, what do you think is the, the biggest uh, abuse, either wittingly or unwittingly, that people do at Mass, the, the biggest abuse that you see or that you witness as a traveling missionary preacher? I say, well, I think most of the time it's unwittingly. I don't think they're doing this out of malice. But it's the non-audible amen. It's the inaudible amen. Uh, the distributor will say the body of Christ, and they just barely whisper amen, or they just mouth it with their lips. No, you're saying, so be it, quote-unquote, so be it in Hebrew, amen. The distributor is saying the body of Christ. In other words, no longer ordinary bread, but truly, really, and substantially the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. From the words of consecration onwards at Mass, no longer ordinary bread and wine, the body of Christ. And you're saying, amen, so be it 
quote, end quote, in Hebrew, is what amen means, right? Uh, or so it is. Uh, I agree. Uh, it's an act of faith. In other words, the, the audible amen it literally doubles as an act of faith. And that's why the Roman rite says that we say it out loud. Now, in the extraordinary form of the Mass, the traditional Latin Mass, the person doesn't say amen because the distributor, who's the priest or bishop, is, is making their act of faith for them as they receive. So if you happen to attend a Latin Mass, you'll see that the people aren't saying amen. It's not because they don't believe. It's because in, in that, that older form of the, of the Latin rite, the traditional Latin Mass, the distributor, priest or bishop, is making the act of faith for the person who's receiving the Eucharist. And so the office of priest is, is making the act of faith for them. So does that help you out there, uh, uh, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Great. Well, I want to commend you. I want to commend you on on your RCIA coursework and and taking the 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 RCIA uh, classes. And may God see that through its successful completion. And uh, it's it's it sounds like your 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 pastors there, your pastor and his associate pastors, permit those different ways to be received. Those four different ways, and indeed they should. The Vatican has answered that. Uh, and so it's, it's good to hear that your priests in your particular parish permit that. And they're to be done reverently. Whichever one of the four ways a person decides to receive, it's to be done reverently because of what we're doing and we believe. So thank you so much, Anthony, for your call today. We really appreciate it. Lots happening at this year's EWTN free family celebration. You can join us Saturday, August 25th, right here in Birmingham, Alabama. And you can enjoy talks from your favorite EWTN radio and TV hosts. You can shop at EWTN's religious catalog, attend Holy Mass, and even be part of a televised show. Uh, the day's activities culminate, this is going to be amazing, with a Eucharistic procession through the streets of downtown Birmingham. Go to EWTN.com slash Family Celebration to find out more and to register. And once again, it is all free. Next up is James in Pensacola, Florida, listening on Guadalupe Radio. James, you're on with Father Wade. Hello, Father Wade. It's good to talk to you again. I have my wife, Judy, here with me, and... We want to share a witness about our our favorite devotion to Mary. Every, every yes, sir. Every oh, yes, Father. Uh, every day at three o'clock, we do the Chapel of, of Divine Mercy on EWTN Radio, and every night on EWTN TV with Mother Angelica, we pray the Rosary. And, and that's very uh, important to us, because that's our devotion to Mary. Well, that's, that's beautiful, James, and I'm sure praying both of those prayers so faithfully as spouses strengthens your marriage, does it not? Can you give us a witness about how those two special prayers, the Rosary and the Divine Mercy Chaplet, pray daily uh, with EWTN, how it strengthens your marriage? Can you give any witness point about that fact? Yes. Yes, Father. Uh, it draws us closer together in the presence of the Lord. Uh, yes, because we love the Lord very much, and we uh, devote our lives, to, you know, to the Catholic Church. In fact, we went to Mass this morning and was able to receive the Holy Eucharist, and it was very powerful there, too. And another comment that I would like to make is that... Uh, you know, that your listening audience 
may not know, but in the traditional Latin masses, whether it's a low mass or a high mass, our priest says you cannot take the uh, Eucharist in your hand because it's a Latin mass. And I thought I would I would bring that up too. And they are correct, yes. In, in the Latin rite, the traditional Latin Mass, you do receive directly on the tongue. They are correct about that. Well, we thank you so much, James, for your call today and for your wonderful witness about the Rosary and the Divine Mercy Chaplet. We'll head next to Denise in Atlanta, listening on our great affiliate there, The Quest. Denise, you're on with Father Wade. Yes, I like um, Our Lady of Guadalupe and Our Lady of All Nations, but somebody a while back told me that Our Lady of All Nations squelched, but then somebody else said, oh no, it never was. And I really like that prayer that goes with it, so I don't know, was it the prayer that got squelched, or, or I don't know. Uh- yeah, Denise, I'm not sure about that. I would I would have to research that to give you the specific answer. I do know that it's not officially approved as a devotion. Now, whether or not it's the devotion or the prayer itself to Our Lady of All Nations that was not approved, I don't know. That's the fact I would have to research. But I do know for certain that the, the devotion as a whole is not fully approved. If the prayer card to Our Lady of Nations has an approbation by a bishop, and the bishop's name is listed with an imprimatur, then it's okay to pray it for private devotion. So that's what you want to look for, is for an imprimatur for the prayer on the back of the prayer card. And if it has it, you're welcome to pray it for private devotion, even though Our Lady of, not, of All Nations is not approved totally as a devotion uh, here in the U.S. by our bishops. Thanks for a great question. And very quickly, we'll head to Susan in Melbourne, Florida, listening on Divine Mercy Radio. Susan, just about a minute left with Father Wade. Tell us about your Marian devotion. Okay, great. Uh, thanks for uh, coming to MIMS, Father Wade. It was wonderful. Oh, also, those, please. Always have yes. great, great parish missions in MIMS there, Florida. Yeah, it was wonderful. Anyway, um, I'm a convert. I have been praying uh, the rosary ever since I first joined the church, and I was um, lucky enough to be in a group of people that were all praying it together, so I got to beautiful. learn it fast and got to feel the... You know, the emotion of everybody doing it together, it was wonderful. Amen, also, I'd amen. Like, yes, also I'd like to give a shout-out to a couple of priests, um, because I was always kind of indifferent about Mary. And there was one priest that had the um, Fatima statue. Uh, you know, it was touring the area, and he had that put in the church, and he made sure that everybody behaved as if, Everything around it was adoration. So it was silent, reverent, and it was an amazing thing. Okay, very good. Aaron, you want to say their names real quick? Say their two names real quick. Oh. Uh, <laughs> for your shout out. Names. The, the, the shout out oh, for the two priests. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Father Ivan, Father Juan, and Father Romeo. All right. We thank you so much, Aaron, for your witness call. Thank you so much. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners this day and always. And St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. On behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, producer Michael McCall, call screener Ace McKay, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless.